Hey, this is Dave Chris. I'm the pastor of We're One based out of Gateway Assembly, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We pray that this equips you and encourages you in your faith to see Jesus more clearly in your life. Let's hit it. Hey, you guys can grab your seats here tonight. So we've been saying this all year. We've been saying that we're marked, right? We've been saying that we're marked. It makes me think of, uh, it makes me think of my sons with their birthmarks. Now, I'm able to see, like, every part of them because I'm their dad, right? And, and, and they're not in, like, weird locations, by the way. I don't even know why I just said that, if I'm being honest. <laughs> now all I can see is my son's little booty in my, in my, in my, <laughs> my head right now. But they both got these birthmarks. Zealand has, it's called, like, star, strawberry human something. I don't know. What is it? Hemangioma. That's what it is. Yeah, he's got one, like, right here, right here. And he had it since birth. And because uh, that's what's it's called a birthmark, because he had it since that time. And uh, then Zion has, it's like a vascular birthmark. It's on his eye, and both of them are, are red. And I think the message that I've come to tell you tonight is this. It, it can relate so much to their birthmarks, and you're like, why are you talking about your son's birthmarks? This is weird, because both of their birthmarks are temporary. See, over time, Zealand's birthmark, it, it was like bright red, and now it's like a, a pale pink. It's like going away. And they said over time, over years, it'll go away. Same thing with Zion. You're like, how does this relate to me? I still don't get it. I don't know about you, and I don't know what you've come for. I don't know what you thought this year was, was all about. I don't know what you're thinking walking into 2022. But I have not come this far following Jesus to be temporarily marked. I want to be permanently marked with the blood of Jesus. I want to be permanently marked. I want my sexuality to be marked. I want my marriage to be marked. I want my children to be marked. I want my testimony to be marked. I want my calling to be marked. I want to be eternally marked by the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I feel like there's too many believers that they're living from moment to moment temporarily marked. It's like when I'm feeling I'm in church, I'm marked, but when I step outside, I'm not. Listen, that is not what the Christian walk is all about. God has called us to be a people that are permanently marked by the blood of Jesus. I don't want to be somebody that's just marked for today. I want to be somebody that's marked for the future. I want to be somebody that walks throughout the rest of my life marked for the things of God. That where I go, what I say, what I do, you can tell that there's something different about me, not because I'm, I'm, I'm different, but like I'm built different because of Jesus. Like, I, I look different like than people, not in maybe how I dress or anything, but my actions, my words, the way I step into moments, not because of me, but because of Jesus. Why? It's because I'm marked. And I want to live my life eternally marked for the things of God. I want to live my life marked for the future. I've heard it said this way before that if we're not reaching the future of the church, then the church has no future. Can I just remind you who you are tonight? You are the future. You are the future. You are the present in what you're walking in right now, but you are the future of the church of Jesus Christ. Listen, everybody that once was like leading this church and all that, year after year they're dying. And they're going to heaven to be with Jesus. And God's saying, who's going to stand in the gap? Who's going to be the next leaders of this church? Who's going to be the future of this church? I don't know if you've recognized this yet or not, but no one else is coming. It's you. It's not like he's sending other people to do it. He's placed you, he's positioned you here on purpose for a specific purpose to lead the greatest days in history, the greatest days of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You are the future. 
And, and I don't, that's why I don't want to be just temporar temporarily marked. I want to be permanently marked for the things of God. I want to be permanently, eternally marked for the things of God. You know, when you talk about the future, you know the difference between your future being a fantasy and it being a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Vision. That's the difference. The difference beside the crazy spinning around inside your head and the God that is cultivated inside your heart is vision. That's all it is. In Habakkuk chapter 2, I grew up my whole life saying Habakkuk, and then I got older, and they're like, no, it's Habakkuk. And I was like, so I don't know what it is. But it's, it's a funny name either way. Chapter 2, verse 2, he's a prophet, and he's like talking to the Lord and all that. And the Bible says, then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. I want to give you a couple tips here from chapter 2, verse 2. They're really simple, but here you're like, where do I go? How do I create a vision? What do I do with this? Number one, if you didn't catch it, it said, write the vision. Can I tell you that it's not a vision until you write it? You can put it in your phone. You can write it on paper. You can write it on your mirror. But until you write it, it's not a vision. It's some crazy thing inside your head. It's not a vision yet. It's some thought spinning around, but when you write it, it becomes a vision. He then said you need to make it plain. He's really talking about two thoughts right here when he says make it plain. He's saying, one, make sure it's legible. Huh, where, where's my people with some awful penmanship in the room right now? Okay, and you can own up to it. You need to make sure that other people can actually read it. You need to make sure you can read it. You ever written something? You're like, oh, I'll remember what that means. You go back and read it. You're like, what the heck was I thinking? So some of y'all, listen, just stick to your phone. And even then, I don't understand. Do you understand they have autocorrect and still y'all spelling things wrong on your phone and text? What is your problem? But you need to write the vision. You need to make it plain. See, what the prophets would do in that time is they would on like an, they'd place an inscription on a, a table, a specific table, that when people came into the temple, everybody could see it. Why? So number three, you can run. Those that read it can run with it. So other people can actually read what it says and you can run. Why is it important to run? Because I don't know if you ever run like a 5K or something like that, but me running on my own, I get tired pretty quick, but me running with somebody that can push me, it's like I can keep going. The other thing is God's never called you to be, to be a solo act. He's called us to be a wolf pack. He's called us to roll together. He's called us to, to run together, run with the vision. If you've got a vision and you're the only one that knows about it, I would question whether it's an actual vision or not. Because see, a real vision is something that you write, you make plain, and you let other people even be a part of it. Because if your vision is big enough by yourself, with yourself, it ain't, it, ain't, it ain't big enough. It's actually pretty insulting to God. It'd be better that it's so big, you're like, I could never accomplish this. There's the beat, like the dramatic beat in, unless God helped me. Or I could never accomplish this unless other people came alongside me and helped me fulfill this vision. God is asking you to have a, a real vision for your life. You're like, I don't even know where to start. How do I create a vision? Like, what do I do? Can I give you a couple steps? Some of y'all, if, if you're not taking notes, you, you're hurting yourself really bad tonight. Let me help you out. I don't care if you go old school. Maybe some of you, this is still what you do. Get a pen out and write it on your arm, okay? It's like, hey, what I want to know is why are you so excited to get that, that girl's phone number to get it on your hand, but you ain't willing to write down the word of God. Hmm. Okay, here's the first thing. You ready? See, vision, it starts with wisdom. 
Like vision that is going to be from God, it's going to be soaked in wisdom. Because wisdom is choosing to do in the present what is going to set you up best for the future. And so many people are like, I just want to do, I want to enjoy the day now and do what I want to do now. But the problem is, if you do now what you enjoy now and just blow things off or do whatever you want, later you might not be set up for the future that God has for you. Hence, like brushing our teeth. Think about when you were kids. Nobody wanted to brush their teeth when they were a kid. Like, I, I, I have to brush Zealand's teeth for him because if that boy don't brush his teeth, man, his breath is so bad. It is so bad. I ain't spelled anything that bad, honestly. Like, I've, I've been around elephant, elephant poop. I've been around a lot of things. I ain't smelled anything as bad as his breath. So I brush them for him to the point I'm shoving that toothbrush so far down his tongue trying to get it clean. It's like, you know, like that thing. You don't brush your teeth now. What happens to your teeth when they're older? You ever, you've seen people, they didn't brush their teeth, take care of their teeth. They didn't go to the dentist, right? Or like, talk about money, right? If you don't save your money, invest your money well, if you're not a good steward of your money, what happens when you get older? Or what if you do do it well? How much better are you off then being able to kill debt, being able to be prepared for marriage, whatever it is? Jesus speaks to wisdom, Matthew 7. Let's go verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, you're like a foolish man. You built your house on the sand. And when the rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against that house, it fell with a great crash. See, what Jesus is speaking to right here is you're a wise man. He's saying, if. If you listen to me, if you follow, if, only if, you guys want a revolutionary ground-shattering, earth-breaking thought, <laughs> you're only wise if you use wisdom. Did I blow anyone's mind in the room with that thought? You're not a wise person unless you're a person that uses wisdom. I got somebody in the front row right now on their arm. Thank you. Appreciate it. You follow me here? Like, you want to ask the question, how do I know, how do I know if I'm wise? The only way that you'll know if you're wise is if it's tested. When the storms come, when life hits you in the face, and if you clung to God's wisdom, you will find that as you clung to God's wisdom, because it's his word, it's what got you through. That's how you know if you're wise. You're foolish if when you go through that season, you completely fall apart. You go, I don't even know if God's real. I don't even know if I believe him anymore. I don't even know if I trust him. I don't, I don't even know if I'm going like, to live for this whole Jesus thing. I think I'm going to divorce my wife. I think I'm going to abandon my kids. I think I'm going to jump ship on my job that I've been at for, for 30 years that has been faithful to me and I should be faithful to. But you know what? I'm having a midlife crisis and life ain't going well. I think I'm going to quit. That's, that's a fool. But see, you know that you're wise if you have heeded God's word. Ask yourself this question. Do you listen to wisdom? Like when I'm preaching, let's just start there. Is it like, wow, that hurts. Oof, that's good. I never thought about that. I, I got to do that. And then you try to go do it and at times we mess up and you, you fall on your face, but you keep trying to do the wisdom given you by a leader or in a sermon or God's word when you read it. Or is it like, or, or more when you're sitting there, you're going, he don't, he don't really know. 
He don't really know me. He don't really know my story. He don't really know what I've gone through. That can't be true for him. Do you realize the best way to become a wise person, meaning you follow wisdom, is two, two very simple things. You follow what God's word says, and you listen to those that have gone before you. Primarily those that have lived for Jesus, and they have proven it. So for me, um, you know, I'm in the season right now where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be watching people that have, they've like had ele- elementary schoolers, because I'm entering this new season now where Zealand's just, he's cra- he, t- he was crazy today. Like, I have no idea. Like, I, I was about to give him a shot and put him down at like the vet or something like that. I, like, I didn't even know how to handle him. So I'm going to listen to people that have gone before me. Some of you, you have to realize, listen, you're like, oh, it wasn't the same as when I went to school and stuff like this. Listen, we've already gone through high school, middle school, college. I've already been married. I know what, it's take, I know what it takes to date somebody, hang on to your purity for dear life until you get there and then get married. I know what it's like to do things God's way. I know how hard it is. Waiting to 26 years old, I thought I was going to die. I thought I was going to die. People that go past that, that age, I know how hard that is to hang on. And they're in a season where it's very difficult. It's like, I, is this going to work out for me? I know what that's like, even though I was 26, feeling like it wasn't going to. I know all those seasons. But see, I can't speak to the next yet. So you learn wisdom when you come to people that can speak to the season that you've already walked through. But see, vision, it doesn't just start with wisdom, but vision builds on trust. Jesus said this. He said in in, in John 14, verse 1, he said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. See, he was speaking to the disciples, and the reason he's clarifying here, he's saying, trust in God, trust also in me, is because they were the Jewish people that they trusted God, Abba, Yahweh, Jehovah, like the God of the Old Testament. They trusted him. So he's like, hey, I know like this whole thing that you like found this man on planet earth and he's the son of God and stuff. I know I've proven with some miracles and stuff, but listen, I'm telling you, trust me as well because I am God. See, vision, it requires trust. It's completely built on trust. It really is. So when Jesus is talking to his disciples, he's saying, you need to trust me because I'm going to prepare a place for you. He said, in my father's house, there's many mansions. If it were not so, I wouldn't tell you. So think about, think about your house, right? It has many what? Rooms. Mine. Three. One bathroom. It's the worst, okay? But rooms. And, and God's house, heaven, has mansions inside of it. And Jesus is like, listen, you should trust what I'm saying here. What was he doing? He was casting a vision to them about eternity. He was telling them, don't get confused by just what everything looks like here on the surface. Set your eyes on the right thing. Set your heart on the right thing. Set your mind on things above. Because he was casting a vision telling you that there is something waiting for you. If you'll just trust me, that's better than you've ever seen before. The issue is a lot of times, it's not, it's not that we don't wait. It's that eventually we won't wait. It's not that people like, oh, I, I waited. You waited one day and then you, it's like, hey, I really think you should take a sec to like figure out who you are rather than get into one more relationship. Okay. So you take one day without dating anyone. Okay. It's Monday now. I can date someone else. I know I'm like exaggerating, but that's how people, that's how we are, right? I was with, uh, I was with my family on like our little vacation 
And we, at one point, we went up to uh, Great Wolf Lodge in Ohio. It's just a bunch of indoor water parks, good times. Zealand loves the slides. It took me forever to get them there. He had this one slide he'd go just on over and over and over. I'm like, bro, all the big ones, they're waiting for us. And he didn't want to do them. Once I opened up to his mind to these slides, there was no turning back. It was awful. Because you know, to get to the top of the slide, we have to do, what you have to do, right? Climb a million stairs. We would get to the bottom, hit the water. He'd come out and go, more? More? Oh my gosh. Okay. So he loved the slides. But there's also something you have to understand that he loves even more than the slides. Einin. Einin. If you don't speak Zealand, that's ice cream. He loves Einin. I ask him at the end of every like, excursion or vacation or anything, Z, what was your favorite part of the trip? He goes, I need, I need. Every time. Like we literally could have met Jesus in the flesh. And he's going to say, I need. It's his favorite every time. Unless Jesus is holding I need, then that's a really good, that is a good day right there, somebody. So I know how much he loves ice cream. Even more, he's only ever had it one time in his life, Dippin' Dots. Now, Dippin' Dots is not something you just, like, casually stroll up on every day. It's like you're only going to find it in certain places, right? Like Cedar Point, like the zoo, Great Wolf Lodge. <laughs> so I found some Dippin' Dots. And I came down. I was just so excited to surprise him. And I go, I go, Z, I got a surprise for you. He goes, swim. I'm like, no, I, gotta, I, gotta, I didn't show him yet. I go, I got a surprise. No, swim, go. Like, let's go. He wants to swim. I go, Okay. So I'll make you an offer here. Do you want to swim or do you want the surprise? Oh, man, I was teeing him up for failure. Let me tell you that right there. <laughs> and I go, choose wisely. Do you want to swim or do you want the surprise? He goes, swim, let's go. So as he turned this way, he turned back, and I was waiting there with the Dippin' Dots, and I go, well, I guess that I'm just going to have to eat the ice cream without you then. And I thought, I thought, see, he's crazy because what he doesn't realize is I'm going to give him ice cream and then I'm going to take him swimming. But the problem is too many of us, we get confused and the swimming looks so good that we can't trust God with the surprise. And what God is wanting to say to you tonight is he's looking for a people that will trust that he has something better for you than what you have for you. He's, he's wanting us to trust him. He's wanted us to say, you know what, God, your vision's better. God, will you speak it to me? Will it be based on wisdom, based upon your word? Will the things that I desire and want and that I'm going after, will it be something greater than currently what I just see in front of me? But the problem is the swimming is right in front of you. And you tell yourself it's good enough. And the reality is, listen, God's saying, I'm not going to give you just the swimming. You're already going to get that. I have something greater for you. I have, I have something waiting for you. I have something that if you just trust me, it'll be better than what you could get on your own. But the issue most of the time is that you will settle for what's in your hand rather than reaching out for what's in God's hand. And the whole time I had it, all that he had to say is, okay, and I would have given it to him. Did I give it to him? That is the question. Here's another point. Didn't have this in my sermon. The father always gives good gifts. 
always. So even when you screw up, if you're willing to come back to him, if you're willing, if you're willing to ditch what looks good to you and come back to what you know he has for you, he's going to give it to you every time. The issue is how far off track did you go up and screw your life along the way before you got yourself right with him? How addicted are you to something? How many marriages do people fail before they get there? It's not whether or not God is a good father and he's going to hook you up or not with some ining. The issue is, what did you do along the way to get there? God is saying, I want there to be a people that will trust me. Because when you operate in wisdom and entrust the Lord, can I tell you my favorite part of it all? Vision. It vision initiates the increase. Isn't that what, that's what we've really come, whether you didn't realize this or not. That's what we've come to talk about tonight. Vision initiates the increase. And I'm going to tell you, listen, I prophesied this. I prophesied this the beginning of the year. And I used it again at another point in a message. I think it was called like increase and increasing or something like that. And I hope you're not sick of it because I'm going to read the whole text all over again. Because I want us to be, be reminded tonight that vision initiates the increase. You read in Isaiah 54 ver verses 2 to 4. Let me take it in with you. Clear the grounds for your tents. Make your tents large. Spread out. Think big. Use plenty of rope. Drive the tent pegs deep. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. You're going to take over whole nations. Isn't that what we were praying about tonight? You're going to resettle abandoned cities. Don't be afraid. You're not going to be embarrassed. Don't hold back. You're not going to come short. If you're trying to figure out what is this saying, another translation says it very simply. It says in the Passion Translation, increase is coming. And I'm telling you, I said it at the beginning, and I'll say it here at the end. The increase is coming. And God has something for us. If you will hang on, if you will believe that what's in his hand is better than yours, if you will speak with faith and pray into it, I'm telling you, the increase is coming. And I don't want to stop necessarily for this moment right now and just give a commercial break. But I, I, I kind of have to because this is just like, this is just in my spirit. This is in my spirit. I, I have had vision for this for so long. And I've been waiting to do this for a long time. And I just haven't felt like the time when we should do it. So we used to do this thing uh, called the launch. It was an all-nighter. If I'm being honest with you, I will never do an all-nighter ever again. They called it a lock-in for a reason because I feel like a prisoner for 12 hours straight. But I've always had this vision, Lord, what if we just worshiped you into the next year? And so we do in this night, December 31st, it's called The Increase. It's going to be a New Year's Eve party. And uh, it's going to have a pre-party. It's going to have concessions, uh, We Are One Museum, and some good stuff. But can I tell you, like, the heart of the night, we are going to worship the Lord, and we are going to testify to the Lord's goodness and his faithfulness of what he's done, and we're going to do it all the way in to 2022. And I want to show, I want to show you something here. This is why I talk, like, I wouldn't typically in the middle of a sermon have, like, a promotional spot. But this is not going to be like any other night. This is like, you need to invite your friends to this night. You need to invite your family to this night. Like everything but like babies because there's no child care. But like you need to invite everybody. Because this is going to be a night, I'm telling you, where we're going to take ground. 
This is going to be a night where we receive the increase. I'm telling you, it's coming. It's here. Like I can taste and see that the Lord is good. It's so close, guys. And something that the team has been working on, a really special project. I want to show this to you. Um, I actually, I saw like what they've been working on kind of for the first time, literally yesterday. Haven't even seen this. But they've been putting something together that's going to air that night along with worship and all that. And I want to give you a little sneak peek, a teaser of what it is. I would say increases coming means that we are increasing in our likeness to the Lord. Gosh, dig it. We talk a lot about like, you know, moments make movements, you know, increases coming. And because of those moments now, that increase is able to come and it is gonna continue to come. What is We Are One to you? We Are One means fun. We Are One means family. Come on, Dad! Do it! Do it! Do it! We Are One means tighten it. Lord, use us for your glory. As we minister tonight, Lord, use us for your glory. Impact even just a single heart that could grab a hold of Jesus. We are one means to me home. This is the life. We are one means love. The point of what we do is to point people to Jesus. It is all about Jesus. Every event we put on, every message we preach, every song we sing, our existence is about Jesus. We are one means Jesus. So the team has been putting together a documentary telling our story of the last 10 years. And they've been like grinding at this thing. I'm telling you, you've got to invite everybody to this. It's going to be so powerful. It's going to be a night full of a ton of fun, but we are going to worship the Lord hard. We're going to watch this. It's going to be like a 45-minute to an hour documentary that they're putting together of the story of We Are One the last 10 years. It's our story. It's Jesus' story that we get to be a part of. And we're going to worship the Lord straight into our next 10 years, into the future of what he's doing. When I read the scripture that the increase is coming, there was something that stuck out to me really strong when I'm, when I'm reading this text here. It says that we need to drive the tent pegs deep. And this is the thought that I want to leave you with tonight. It's saying that We need to, let's see if I can do this or not. I haven't practiced. Let's give a couple taps. We need to drive deep ourselves into the heart of God. We need to drive deep into what he has for us. Here's the issue. The issue is that the world is all about going higher the world is climbing over top of people to get, to get this job or that job. It's all about on social media being famous and popular and your schools being popular, whatever. It's all about being higher. It's all about being above. Do you know what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ? God's not asking for us to go higher. God's asking for us to go deeper. Because see, the deeper you go, the wider you grow. What did it say in the scripture? It said, you're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. 
We're not talking about height. We're talking about width. We're talking about growth. God is asking us to be a people that are rooted. Deep roots, wide branches. He's asking us for, to be a people, I believe, that would go back to the basics. And drive ourselves into the heart of God. You all thought vision I was be something fancy. The next cool thing we're doing. Listen, I am not here, I have not been here for the last 10 years to impress anyone. I'm not here to entertain anyone. I am here to be a reflection of Jesus. And you are here to be a reflection of Jesus. Every dance we do, every video we put on, every song we write, everything that happens, it is a reflection of Jesus. It is volume and color. It's an expression of how much we love God. The Bible says that we, we live, we move, we have our being. Every breath we take is an expression to give God praise and worship. And, and you all thought that we are one was going to climb to the next thing, right? We can do like that. We've launched, we've launched podcasts and we've launched conferences. We've done all this. Like That's not what God's calling us to. Does he want us to be a good steward of what we're already doing? Yeah. We have a podcast. We have all of our social media stuff. We have a conference and a camp. and all. That's great. And we're going to utilize it for his glory. But he said, I want you to drive yourself deep. Drive yourself into me. Deepen. Get a real relationship. Like a real relationship with me. Not because your parents, not because your friends came here, not for any, any sexy reason because of like one night. Like I want you to know me so deep. I want you to go so deep into me. And it'd be so easy for us to become a minister that just keeps climbing. Just keeps trying to go higher. Man, I remember when, when we didn't have a stage like this. I remember when there wasn't cameras. I remember when I used to edit all my own sermons to put them out so people would hear them and hear about Jesus. When I used to run seven Instagram accounts for the church. I remember when people, they would have maybe looked in on our ministry and they would have thought it was nothing. It wasn't impressive. But to us, it was everything. Because it was all about Jesus. I remember when we were so excited, man. You remember this, Pastor Luke? We got our first lights. Those things were so, they were from China. They were these broken, cheap pieces of crap. I think we have four of them for this entire stage. They were like this big. And we thought, this is so cool. We have lights. Can I give you some practical stuff? Just like, what do you do with this? It's like more than, it's got to be more than a feeling. Like, what do you do with it practically? If you're going to go deeper with God, going to drive the peg deeper. Don't overcomplicate it. Make it simple. This is simple with God. He loves us. 
he's really not asking that much in the end. He's not asking for us to make him a bunch of money, right? He's not asking us to be some superstar athlete. He's not. He's just asking for us. He just wants us. He just wants to know you. I just wrote down three practical things, hopefully to help you. Don't just give your heart to Jesus. Invite the Holy Spirit to mark your life. Too many times we're praying prayers where we say, I give my heart to Jesus. Listen, he doesn't want your heart. He wants all of you. He wants your whole life. He he wants every relationship. He wants your money. He wants all of it. Because he realizes that if he can get his hands on it, he can bless you more than you ever could yourself. He wants to mark your life. I feel like God was just telling me, we got to get back to some of the basics again. I remember, man. I remember when we first launched this ministry. I remember when Pastor Luke won his, won, 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 he won his high school friend to the Lord. And that guy was so excited. He was like, dude, what if we go to Starbucks and read the Bible? We'll call it Star Bibling. And it started in my room, in my parents' house. I wasn't married or anything. Just me, Pastor Luke, and his friend that he just won for the Lord. And we'd sit there and we'd literally just read the Bible. It wasn't let's read the Bible for a few minutes so we can go play video games after. We just read the Bible. That's all we did. We just talked about God and his word. And it grew from my, my bedroom. And I remember church was canceled one time on a Wednesday. And we went to Tim Hortons. There was 17. I'll never forget the number. I thought 17 people that want to sit in a public place and acknowledge Jesus and read his word. We need God's word, guys. We got to talk to him. Like, talk to him. Don't overcomplicate it. Just be like... So, like, I don't, I don't really know what to say. Start with this. Say, I love you, Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit will begin to give you things to talk about. The issue is once people either achieve having something or become something, they lose their focus. And I would rather have nothing and have Jesus than have all of this and not. And I feel like God is just reminding us that we got to get back to the basics again. Y'all should be hitting each other up and saying, hey, could I come over? What, what do you want to do? You want to play video games? No, I want to pray. I want to read God's word. And then we can play video games, right? No. Let's just pray until we fall asleep. Sleep prayer is the best prayer. I am literally a professional sleep prayer. Second thing I give you is, let me give you this. This popped out of me. Prayer is how you set vision. When you talk to God, it's how he begins to download things in you to have vision. Some of you ask the question, I don't have any vision. How do I have? You pray. Okay, I want to forget that. Let me give you another one. Don't just sit in rows. Live in circles. Like, 
we have such a beautiful opportunity. Guys, when I was in youth ministry and even a young adult, I didn't have anybody here. I had me and my brothers. There was nobody on fire for God. There was nobody in love with Jesus going after it all. It was a joke. It was a bunch of us ground up trying to build something. And now how much more you not only get to capitalize it, but you get to build something even more. Don't take each other for granted. I hate, <laughs> I hate when I hear people talk about their church friends and their school friends. Like, these people that you call friends and you invest your life into, you have nothing in common with them. Oh, but yeah, we do. We both like sports and we both like some of the same girls. And we Do you both love Jesus? Because if not, they're not your friend. They're going to betray you when the time gets tough. When you actually make a stand for Jesus, because you've just been hidden. When you actually make a stand, though, they're going to betray you. See, these ain't just friends. This is family. So we ain't talking church friends and school friends. We're talking family and some acquaintances at school. Now, it's this, it's this beautiful opportunity you have to reach these people to reach out to them, to love them, to invite them to this place. But we get, we get it twisted. And you have this beautiful opportunity for community. Some of you brand new to this family. Listen, I don't even know some of your names and I love you. And I want to meet you. And our leaders want to meet you. And other people in this ministry want to meet you and they want to get connected to you. Like genuinely, we don't want anything from you. We just want you to be a part because we believe in you. And then what happens is you start having this confidence, like I'm a part of something bigger myself. Then you start serving, and you start doing outreach, and you start giving, and you, don't, you stop living your life just coming and sitting in a row. And you start living your life actually circled around a vision that's so much bigger than you. It's the vision of Jesus Christ that it gets in your soul. And you can't get it out once it's in, let me tell you. Once you really get this inside of you, you can't get it out of you. Last thing practically I'll just tell you is don't just arrive to hear a message, but thrive sharing the message. The greatest sermons ever preached are not on this stage. They're not. They're when you tell your loved ones, when you tell coworkers. The greatest sermons ever preached is at a lunch table. I'm here to only do one thing, to equip you, to encourage you, to remind you of who you are in Jesus. The greatest sermons that will ever be preached are by you when you leave this space. And I feel like there's too many believers that were coming in here and we're hearing this and we hear it, but it's not really like sinking in. And we'll come in here and be like, Jesus is alive. The world doesn't need to know that Jesus is alive. The world needs to see that Jesus is alive in you. They'll be able to tell. They just, they'll be able to tell that you are marked. I remember January 6th, the first sermon I preached of this year. Talk about mark the map. Y'all put, I put two X's. We all said we're going to mark the map. How'd you mark the map this year? you were thinking about people, you were thinking about like neighbors and you were thinking about classmates and you were thinking, 
how did you mark the map this year? Some of you are like, I have no idea what you're talking about because that's what's beautiful is you're just brand new fam. You weren't even here come January. That's what's amazing about it. What's the vision of 2022? We, you know, we were working, um, we were writing some of our songs we were working on. We started working on our song, Future. And I'd written a lot of lyrics and basically me and Pastor Steve got together. And Pastor Steve is like a lyrical fiend. And he's just, we started just gutting the thing and he just had better lyrics. And then he was inspiring me with better lyrics. And me and PT were talking, we're like, man, what is the vision of conference? Like, we, we just, we didn't know. And we're getting ready to announce it at one night. We literally don't know what the vision is. And we're preparing, we're working on our song Future. And we're like, I mean, please. That's what he says. It like clicked. It's future. Like, God has marked us the last 10 years. But man, the next 10, his future is where I'm found. And I felt like the, the Holy Spirit put that inside of me and it just sat there. To be honest, I was going into this night and I thought, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what else to tell them besides that. And then the Holy Spirit started speaking it to me. And I started to hear myself say it to my teams and stuff like that. It's like, Lord, what is the vision of 2022? And I felt the Holy Spirit give me this phrase. So our conference is called Future, but I felt the Holy Spirit give me the phrase, Welcome to the future. And I was sitting on the side, Lord, what does that mean? What does that mean? Welcome to the Turn to somebody right now and say, Welcome to the future. Turn to somebody else, the person you didn't like as much as the first person that you told. Tell them, welcome to the future. Tell somebody else. T turn around. Tell somebody else. Ain't nobody looking at me and telling, somebody tell me. Don't make me feel so. See, see, the future, it's all about moving forward, right? The future is all about stepping into the next thing. It's about receiving God's plan for your life. It's about what he has in store for you. But the issue with that is I feel like a lot of people, they look at that and they go, God doesn't have that for me. I can't get that. Like that sounds great that he has a future for me and he knows the plans that he has for me and all that stuff but that ain't for me. But this is what I want us to respond this year as a ministry. Are you ready? I want us to be able to look at every single person and say, welcome to the future. It's an open invitation. Everyone is welcome into it. Every single person that would say, I want to be a part of it. I want to call upon the name of the Lord. I want to be saved. I want my life to be changed. No one, you understand this? No one is, an, is excluded from a future with Jesus Christ. A future that is full, an increase that is coming. I want us, come on, get on your feet tonight. I want us to be a ministry that tell people you are welcome to the future. God's got something powerful in store for your life. God has a plan for you and you are welcome to it. And I want us to be a generation that no longer just looks backward to what things used to be. That looks backward to how things used to, to feel. Like, you know how many times I could I could look back and I could be like, man, this is how this is how we used to do ministry. This is what it used to be like. You know, I remember, I remember the time, honestly, I remember when I was single. And I could stay here every Friday night till 2 a.m. And I remember when uh, I remember when I leave a Sunday morning.
and we hit it hard all Sunday afternoon, and then I'd go back to a Sunday night, and then I'd go out to like Applebee's or something after Sunday night. Can I tell you, by the time HSD leaves my house, do you want me to tell you what I do? It's called dad life now. Right, two kids, believe in the Lord, that the increase is coming more on the way. I don't know why I would even say that. Signing up for more of this is what I'm doing. More I need, please, right? But see, I, I could look back on this ministry and I could say, man, this is what I used to be able to do. This is what it used to look like. I remember when I was in youth ministry, we could fit all, us all in a, a van together. We could take off. And then I remember when we used to be able to fit us all on a bus. And then we bought a bus and then another bus and then another bus and then we had to rent vehicles and rent buses and, and rent things and two vans and it just keeps growing but here's the beauty of it do you know why I know this is a good thing and a God thing because wherever the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached the increase will always be coming and what I want to declare over 2022 is that everyone come on somebody everyone is welcome to the future. Somebody give Jesus a shout of praise. Come on. Come on, give him the highest praise tonight. So let's start tonight. If you're here tonight, and your future is not found with Jesus, and you do not have a personal relationship with him, if you're watching online or you're even gonna find this message later, I wanna welcome you to the future tonight. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? See, the thing about the future is it becomes very, very confused and we're almost a little bit deceived because the swimming in front of us, it looks better than the surprise that God has called salvation. And can I tell you, it's no surprise. He's making it very clear that he died on a cross for your sins, for mine. He loves you with all of him. He sent an entire ministry to make sure that, that you are full of that love tonight from us and that you would know him. But what becomes confusing a lot of times is we want to exchange what God could have for us for what's right in front of us. So we become deceived. And this is what I want to say to you tonight. Do not become deceived with what's right in front of you. Somebody look at me. Come on, I am a testimony of this this year. Believe me when I say this. Do not become deceived with how things appear to be right in front of you. Because I'm telling you that the future is full. That what God has for you is full. And that even when it doesn't feel like it, the increase, I promise you, it is coming. So here's my encouragement to you tonight. Do not become deceived, but prophesy to your future. Say, I'm going to be a person that I save myself till marriage. Well, I already messed that up. Then start right now and live a life that's pure. That's a vision, isn't it? I'm going to be celibate till I'm married. I'm, I'm, going, to be, uh, I'm going to be a person that I want to spend legitimate time with Jesus. Well, let's say this. Not even legitimate. Let's say consistent. Isn't that better? Because we all go, I got to spend one hour. I got I to spend one hour with God in prayer. I, I don't even know. How about let's just say 15 minutes, not 50. How about 15 minutes that you'll spend in prayer and Bible reading with the Lord? He wants consistency. Start setting these visions. This is what I mean 
When I say you cannot be deceived with what's in front of you, but prophesy to these things, it's when we practically begin to step into these things. So bow your heads, close your eyes with me. I want to pray with you tonight. If there is just one, 10 years ago we started, if there would just be one, and it will be the message of the rest of our life. As a ministry, I know every one of our pastors would say this. I want to give you an invitation to a future with Jesus. And even if you're online, I want you to put it in the chat if that is you, if you're saying, I need Jesus. If you're in this room, I want you to lift your hand if you're saying, I need Jesus. That's me. Thank you. I got you in the back. Thank you so much over here. I got you over here. I need to give my life to Jesus. Thank you so much. Come on, we're not asking for you to give part of yourself tonight. I want to remind you what you're giving up. It's not just your heart. It's not just like a good feel tonight. He wants to mark your entire life. Thank you so much. I see you. Thank you. Would you pray this with me to turn over your whole life to him? Say, Jesus, I commit to you my life, my past, my present. Here it is, my future. You have all of me. You have my relationships. You have my finances. You have my decision making. You have all of me. I know I won't do it all right. But say this, say, but I believe according to your word that you have given me everything through your Holy Spirit to live a life that will honor you and that is worthy of the name of Jesus. I thank you for dying for my sins and raising from the dead that I might live with that same power inside of my veins. Say, tonight, Jesus, I give you the highest praise, not with just the sound of my voice or the clapping of my hands, but right here, my life. You have all of me. Come on, say, you have all of me. Jesus, I give you all that I am, and you're awesome, powerful, precious, and holy name. In the name of Jesus, everybody says tonight, come on, say amen and praise him with every breath that is inside your lungs tonight.